Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards. I'm with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. We have Ed Maher from the Operating Engineers, Local 150. Say hello, Ed. Good morning, everybody. And we are on 720 WGN. This show today, of all days, is going to be an awesome, awesome show. Sunday morning, we have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, you have the Workers' Rights Amendment coming up. That's right. We'll talk about that today. Um, we have Gary Perinar from hey, the Carpenters. Right. Gary Perinar is going to be coming in from the Midwest Regional Council of Carpenters, uh, talking about a, a wage theft campaign. They've been having a lot of uh, a lot of success in getting money back for workers that have been uh, illegally, you know, shortchanged. And not just union workers, non-union workers. That's exactly right. A really, a really amazing story. Um, let's let's chat though, real quick, about something I read. Um, regarding twitter oh yeah, yeah yeah elon musk who i guess he's trying to buy twitter yeah it's been going it's been going on a while i mean this is a this is a soap opera that's been playing out in real time for for all of us to watch what does he need twitter for i guess when you have all the money in the world you just want to buy i don't know buy more giant yeah, just more things well maybe he wants to change the logo and the only way to do it is to buy it that's pretty interesting but okay more importantly what did he say? He said, I'm going to lay off 75% of the workforce. Well, right, right. He told the investors that if – I think he's got till the end of this coming week to finalize the sale. And he told investors that if he does finalize the sale, he's going to fire 75% of the employees. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's that's – Three out of every four workers at Twitter all of a sudden is going to be running around looking for a different job. You know, this is it's being painted so broadly. I mean, this can't be based on merit or abilities. This is just uh, going in there with a chainsaw. Squeezing every nickel out of this company humanly possible. Well, I think more than that, with with some of the other social networks, you see that they've expanded their staff in um, content moderation. Content moderation has been a big topic, and people are are never going to be fully satisfied. It's, uh, I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is to actually do a, a great job of it, but uh, to fa- to fact check things and to take things off that are not factual and potentially harmful or could cause a problem. But if you take a social network like Twitter that's had so much controversy about the the accuracy of the things that are posted on it, and you fire 75% of its workforce, I think it's pretty clear that content moderation is not going to be a thing at Twitter anymore. So it's just going to be an absolute free-for-all. I think they they're you know they should replace it with or put a cowboy hat on that little bird because it's just going to be the wild west. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, right, you know, right now, Twitter employees, for, for those of you that are listening... You should get a union yesterday because here's a here's a perfect example, right? You're going to get fired. Three out of four, you're going to get fired. What happens if you're the Twitter employee that's been there since day one and you make more money than a guy that just got hired last week? Who do you think Elon Musk is going to fire? Right. You're gone. Yeah. You're- and, you, and you have zero seniority. You know what we have in union land? We have seniority. Well, more importantly, there's just cause. You have to be fired for a reason. And you can get laid off. I mean, people have layoffs, right? Economic downturns, et cetera. But when there are layoffs, the union gets to negotiate the effects of those layoffs, how long they're going to last, if there's a recall list. And by the way, seniority. Is right. it fair? It's not fair that I spent my entire career working for Twitter, and all of a sudden I'm going to get laid off so they can have Elon Musk's nephew, for example, yeah. you know, have a job. And I don't. And yeah. that's, just, that's just ridiculous. It sounds like medieval times. Speaking of medieval times <laughs> and speaking of logos, 
Uh, Medieval Times has been one of the more interesting stories in unionization across the country. So Medieval Times operates nine castles around the country. And of course, one of them, I think it's out in Hoffman Estates, uh, just out on on I-90. But uh, earlier this year, the castle in New Jersey was the first one to organize. And they went, the castle. <laughs> I know. It's fun to say. They went to an election, and uh, they, they formed a union. They call it the Medieval Times Performers United. So they, you know, they can afford a giant chicken, but they can't afford to give these guys a raise. I will tell you this. What king in his castle sues his peasants? So the, the details of this are, are kind of interesting. So Medieval Times has hired a... Union buster. That's exactly right. They've hired somebody who's familiar with labor law to come in and try to convince these workers um, in other castles uh, to vote no, but on, on the side where they have already voted in this union, um, but now they have to negotiate a contract. So the way that they're going after these workers right now is um, about their logo, so the the, yeah. the the Medieval Times Performers United logo apparently uses axes and old English looking script, which, and which of course Medieval Times they they made that up, right? right. No, it never existed it's, before Medieval Times. It's a totally unique idea. They're not drawing <laughs> yeah. the concept of that place from anything. Unbelievable. Yeah, but so they're going <laughs> to sue this this nascent union, right? That's by the way not part of any international union, any broader union. It's just an independent union. So what does that mean in plain English? It's the workers. Right. So this, you know, the Red Knight got sick of losing every day. So he just said, I'm going to form a union. Why don't they just joust it out? I I think that they're, I mean, they're going to have to do that. But but. I mean, they're literally, you know, they say, oh, we're suing the union for copyright infringement. First of all, you're not suing the union. You're suing your own employees. Well, what is a union? A union is just a group of workers. Absolutely correct. So this is petty, um, but uh, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. So we've got a guest coming up in the next segment. Stick around for it. Um, it's Brian LaRoche, and he is the head of the Sprinkler Fitters Local, Local 281. Absolutely. Um, so we're excited to have him come in. Stick around. Uh, I'm Ed Maher, sitting with Ken Edwards, and you are listening to The Worker's Mike on WGN Radio. You're listening to The Worker's Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Worker's Mike Powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor, right here on 720 AM WGN. I am Ken. This is Ed. And we are very lucky today to have Brian LaRoche from the Sprinkler Fitters Local 281. Brian, what's your title? Uh, my title is, first of all, I'd like to uh, thank both of you for bringing me down to of course. speak yeah, this morning. Yeah, yeah, thanks know. for coming down. Yeah. So my title is I'm the business manager, financial secretary, treasurer. Okay. And what does that mean in plain English? Uh, basically, the buck stops with me. Yeah, I, I, I do everything. I pay the bills. I make a lot of the major decisions. What, what's the size of the Sprinkler Fitters local? That a little you, over 1,400 members. Okay. And where does it span? Uh, we cover Cook County, DuPage, Will, Grundy, Kendall, Kane, McHenry, and Lake in Illinois, and the northern portion of Lake and Porter in Indiana. Okay. So what kind of work do you do? Is, uh, I'm guessing fire sprinklers. Yep, yep. So we basically, the easiest way to uh, describe what we do is we would, inst- basically we're pipe fitters that specialize in fire protection. So all fire pr- suppression systems, we install, maintain, inspect, test, 
throughout the, our jurisdiction. And you have a training program for this? Absolutely. Five-year apprenticeship program. Wow. Yep. And uh, right now we have 196 apprentices in the program. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How would somebody get into uh, get into that? Is it a year-round open, or is it open just during certain no, times it's, of the year? Actually, we open usually uh, every other year, and then we, uh, we assemble a, a list by uh, interviews and application process and a testing, an aptitude testing process, and then what we'll do is we'll work off of that list, and as we uh, bring in class is we work right off that list. When you're an apprentice in, in your um, trade, do you actually go out and work? Yes, okay. absolutely. So you you earn while you learn. Yep, exactly. And uh, actually, we uh, as they attend school, you know, they, they the first year they'll attend school one day a week, and then uh, later in their apprenticeship they'll be biweekly. They get paid whatever rate of pay they're at in their apprenticeship to so attend it's paid school they'll they get paid to attend a class correct so so unlike college where yeah. we're paying you know uh, you know bazillions of dollars to send our kids to college you're actually paying them right. to sit and learn correct that's unbelievable yeah unbelievable yep. so for for those of you that are listening out there i'm going to pivot for a second here you know once again you want to get a good middle class life you don't need to go to college and there's, uh, you know, again, nothing wrong with going to college, obviously, but the myth of you have to go to college to get a good job is simply that. It is a myth. You want to earn while you learn? How much, what does a journeyman uh, sprinkler fitter make? A journeyman sprinkler fitter will make uh, $53.25 an hour right now. And then with their benefits and their total package, they'll be over 86 That's absolutely yeah. So it's $55 an hour just in wages. And then... Healthcare, retirement savings, everything else doesn't come out of that wages. That's additional in benefits. Yes, that's okay, and and it's not even free training. I'm I'm amazed by this. You're getting paid to learn. Yeah, that's right. Where else do you find that? Yeah, in the building trades, right? <laughs> where in the, in the unions? That's where you find that. Real quick, uh, for for folks listening out there, what uh, where can people learn more? Do you have a website? Yeah, www.sprinklerfitterschicago.org, and like like I said. Uh, if you contact uh, us on the website, uh, we'll let you know when the next time we open up for applications. You know, and uh, it's a it's a great trade. It's been great to me and my family. And uh, it's a niche, though. Yeah. I mean, it really is, it right? Is. You're, you're learning a very specific skill, and you know, in, in my humble opinion, it's a skill. Hopefully, that's going to be needed, obviously, forever, because you need fire suppression in buildings, and buildings that don't have it, you see, right, these horror stories of uh, they didn't have a sprinkler system, or it wasn't working, and so, like you said earlier, it's property and life. Correct. Right? Saving property and saving lives daily. Every single one of my members that are out there installing sprinkler systems on a daily basis they're out there saving lives you got to feel good about that absolutely right yep yeah that's that's awesome yes we're talking to brian laroche the head of the sprinkler fitters local 281 um so something else that's important right now that i think you're you've been very active with is the workers rights amendment this is coming up on the ballot on november 8th uh why don't you tell us a little bit more about this amendment and what uh, how you're involved i'll 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 say this uh (laughs) this is how involved we are I had my organizer drive me down with a 16-foot uh, banner truck for pushing workers' rights. So that's, that's, that's how involved I am. It was a bumpy ride, but it was well worth it. We got a lot of people waving and everything. So, so this is a priority to your membership? Priority number one. This, this, is the, this is the largest political initiative that Sprinkler Fitters Local Union 281 UA has taken in its existence. Really? We've been around since 1901. Wow. Yeah. 
It's so, that it's that important. That important. I, I mean, it, it comes down to uh, workers' rights. Pretty simple. I mean, it in, involves everyone that gets up in the morning. Every and worker goes, and goes out to work uh, every to worker. support their family. It doesn't say union in there. No, absolutely it's, not. It's for every single worker yeah. in Illinois. Yeah, I mean, we have the ability, you know, in front of us to put every working man and woman and our members first on the ballot. We're on the ballot. It's about time we're on the ballot. Yeah. And and I've had I was I was out in uh, Maryland a couple weeks back with all the other United Association uh, business managers, and I had people coming up to me constantly, and they were asking me, "Do you really have the opportunity to put it into your state constitution?" And the answer is yes. Yes, absolutely, we have yep. the opportunity. And we're going and we're and, and we're working every day to try to make it happen. So let's talk about that. This is a constitutional amendment, correct? Mm-hmm. correct. And and what that does, we've had some discussion over the past couple of weeks with various other labor leaders. Is it takes politics out of the equation, correct? Absolutely. Yep. So explain that. Well, I'd like to say, you know, I, w- I was just talking to a group the other day, and this is our opportunity to protect our families, our communities, and our state. I mean, uh, we've we've got the ability to vote yes uh, for safe work sites, for safe workplaces. I mean, we're not just talking about the building trades here. We're talking about nurses, first responders, Absolutely. everybody, Poli- all workers, police, yep. firefighters, yep. everybody. So yep. public public employees and private sector employees, exactly every single worker. Yep. There's no distinction in this constitutional amendment that distinguishes between a public sector worker and a private sector worker. Correct? Absolutely, and. Uh, you, we're going to have the ability to to vote yes uh, to collectively bargain for fair wages and fair benefits, and and the the big thing for me is we're going to be able to uh, vote yes. So it doesn't matter who's in the uh, executive mansion in Springfield or who's uh, in the general assembly and walking into the Capitol, because we are going to have our rights constitutionally protected. That's that's a great point. So yeah. it doesn't matter what you, you know, whether you lean Republican, whether you lean Democrat, whether you're an independent, whether you're Green Party, it just doesn't matter. Yep. It, this takes takes politics out of the equation because let's face it. I think we can all agree that most of us simply don't like politicians, right? I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. You know, some politicians are great. There's no question about it. Some really care and are in it for the right reasons, but some are not. And some have an agenda. If you remember several years ago when uh, billionaire Bruce Rauner came in and literally tried to break the unions. Correct. And what did he wind up with? He wound up with a one-term, useless four years of nothing because we kicked the snot out of him, mm-hmm. if you will. So this would resolve that issue. So the next Bruce Rauner that comes in, the only way that he's going to do it is try and get an, another constitutional amendment passed. Right, he's not going to be able Absolutely. to come in and change a, a law that would take away bargaining rights, safety, workplace safety, um, matters in which you can bargain over. Correct? Yes. Absolutely. And, and, and as you said, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. This is workers protecting themselves from politicians. If a politician wants to come in and make a rule that takes money out of your pocket, they will not be able to do that if this amendment passes. And that's why this is so important for every single worker. There's no, uh, there's no excuse if you say, well, I'm, uh, I'm against Democrats, so I'm not voting for this. It doesn't, there's nothing D, nothing R, nothing that leans either direction on this. This is a pro-worker, anti-politician initiative. How, how have your members uh, reacted to this push? I think they actually, uh, we actually uh, did an initiative in which 
I had my officers, my uh, full-time officers and my elected officers, we delivered a yard sign, a workers' rights yard sign, to every single one of my members wow. that reside in the state of Illinois. I mean, wow. it was over a 1,000. It took us about a month, but I, I had nothing but excellent response. That's great. A, a, lot, a lot of it was going out and just talking to them face-to-face and educating mm-hmm. them about it, that it isn't. It, this and is not each, a partisan each, issue. Absolutely. And if each one of your members right, brought three people with them to the ballot, Mm-hmm. We win. Me plus three. Me plus three. I like it. Yep. I never heard that. Me yep. plus three. Me plus three. So if you're out there listening and you support the Workers' Rights Amendment, if you plan to vote yes on the Workers' Rights Amendment, which we hope you do, talk to other folks out there. Uh, you know, talk to talk to other workers that might be uh, on the fence about it or hearing something else about it, and and get them to come with you and vote because it's it's going to be a close election. Any time that a constitutional amendment comes up for election, it's always a close one. We uh, really, really appreciate your coming down here today. Uh, really, really important, and it's really great to talk to you. I know that you're a new business manager, correct? Correct. I took office in July 1st, so it's... Uh, and you've already lost all your hair? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit before July 1. Streamlining. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, you have been listening to Brian LaRoche, uh, business manager and financial secretary of the Sprinkler Fitters Local 281. We really appreciate your coming down here. One more time, can we get that website www.sprinklerfitterschicago.org be sure to check that out you're listening to wgn 7:20 a.m the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor i'm ken edwards along with ed maher stick thank around. you so much stick around you're listening to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by megan financial premise health and voya financial Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I'm Ken Edwards. He's Ed Maher. And we're talking with Gary Pernar, the Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Hello again, Gary. Hello. Thanks so much for being with us today, Gary. You know, I, I want, right off the bat, there's something I wanted to ask you about, and that is I've been reading a little bit in the news. I've been seeing it pop up kind of everywhere that the carpenters have been um, waging a campaign and a fight against wage theft and trying to recover wages lost by, by various workers. Can you tell us a little bit about this? I mean, what is what is wage theft? Sure. Uh, wage theft is basically uh, unscrupulous contractors taking advantage of their workforce. And uh, for the last two years, we've been trying to get legislation in the state of Illinois passed. And uh, just this year, 2022, we're able to implement uh, a wage theft bill that was spearheaded by the Mid-America Carpenters Union into legislation. And we're very proud of that. A lot of hard work. Did it have a, like what kind of support did it have in Springfield? It had great support. Uh, everybody that uh, uh, f- was educated on the bill, uh, Ken, uh, really gravitated behind it. Um, it's not a union bill; it's a uh, workers' bill, and uh, any worker in the state of Illinois now has the luxury of uh, using the carpenters' legislation, this new wage theft bill, to collect monies that uh, they have rightfully coming. Okay, so the Carpenters have this fight against wage theft, and as you said, you're successful in getting a law passed in Springfield. This law protects workers from uh, wage theft by, what, creating penalties for employers that, uh, that, that steal their wages or take away their wages or improperly pay them? Yes, exactly, Ed, and here, here's what it does in a nutshell. Uh, the collectively bargained agreements that we have with our contractors, the contractors have to pay uh, the prevailing wage, they have to pay what the carpenters are owed, and if not, there's great penalties and um, possible um, 
sanctions, fines, and so on and so yeah. forth. And prevailing wage, it's a term that you mentioned there. That's not a, a union wage. That's It's almost like a minimum wage for construction workers. Is that right? Yes, and it's filed with the state of Illinois every year. And it's based on, my understanding, the prevailing wage is based on what? It's based on union contracts. Often it is. I think there it's it's the minimum that um, it's the most commonly paid wage in a certain geographic area. So whether you're a union construction worker or a non-union construction worker, if you're working on projects that are funded by tax dollars in the state of Illinois, you have to be paid this wage rate. Um, it's a way to protect the standard uh, to keep you know low wage workers who are potentially unskilled from coming in and performing substandard work. Uh, that's being paid for by public uh, public that's a, dollars. That, that's a great definition of prevailing wage, and and yet again, you know, I hate to say it, but another example of how unions not only lift the the conditions and the wages and the benefits of their members, but everybody else around them. Because if I'm doing prevailing wage work, and uh, you know. I, where do I want to be working? Do I want to be working in a right-to-work state in the middle of nowhere where the prevailing wage is 15 bucks an hour? Or do I want to be working in Chicago, downtown, where the prevailing wage is 50 bucks on the check and 50 bucks in benefits? I'm making 100 bucks an hour. I want to be working in a union land, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I think something that you just said, Ken, is really important. And and I kind of want to talk a little bit more about this, Gary. Is this, this isn't um, this fight against wage theft isn't just about carpenters, and this certainly isn't just about union members. This is something that's going to benefit workers that are in unions, workers that are not in unions. You're fighting this fight on behalf of everybody. Yes, yes, we are, Ed. Good point. Uh, we just had a recent case settled with the Illinois Department of Labor where we had a company that uh, had uh, close to a dozen workers on site. Uh, they weren't represented by any union, but we were able to negotiate with working with the Department of Labor a huge settlement that will get those workers the prevailing wage, as Ken talked about earlier, um, money in their pocket after the job was over. So so they – so wait a second. got to back up and and make sure our audience is understanding this. The Carpenters didn't represent this group of employees. No, we did not. Still don't. Still don't. Yet you went and fought for them. Yes, we did. And how much money did they get? Well, the company uh, settled uh, for uh, close to a half a million dollars. Um, and each carpenter will get uh, tens of thousands of dollars in back pay. Wow. Uh, uh, doing, doing carpenter's work, excuse me, mm-hmm. that uh, they weren't represented by the union. These are just your average Joe, run-of-the-mill uh, type individuals that were working for this contractor who was cheating the system. So a worker who has no experience with the Carpenters Union, isn't a member of the Carpenters Union, might know nothing about the Carpenters Union, is going to get a check for up to tens of thousands of dollars. I heard one guy's getting 60 grand. That is correct. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's that's life-changing money. And, Life- and, and they were taking that money from this person, allegedly, but whatever, they settled. And so, the you know, the proof is in the pudding that, number one, your bill has worked, right? And number two, the work that the Carpenters have done just worked for 12 people that you've never met that's true Uh, and that's an amazing success story so if they're shorting the workers if this company and other companies like this are shorting workers on their wages uh, i would assume that they're also shorting the income tax um that that they're reporting and and so isn't that also kind of tax fraud they're shorting the state that's true and that's another good point ed where monies that come into communities uh for schools for education uh for police fire paramedics that's all being 
dumped in the contractor, the cheating contractor's pockets, and uh, the communities obviously are the ones that really suffer too, along with the people that are working for this contractor. So they're literally like taking money out of you know police coffers and firefighters' coffers by not paying their fair share of taxes. Absolutely. And then you know the 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 downstream effect, of course, is that if they're giving their workers less. There's less money for the workers to spend, and where do the workers spend money? They spend it in their community. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, I think all the workers that were working for this company live in Illinois. Uh, you know, they they want to buy stuff in Illinois, um, but unfortunately, with the wages that they were getting paid, uh, um, you know, they were um, very very much underpaid for what the prevailing wage in the state uh, allowed them to get. That's a really good point because construction workers are are a good sort of example of middle class workers and when middle class workers get more money on their paycheck they're not putting it in a bank in the cayman islands they're not buying into hedge funds they're going to the grocery store and spending money they're buying a new refrigerator they're buying furniture they're Uh, uh, buying a car they're buying beer some of them are probably buying beer all of it goes into the economy Um, but every dollar that you're putting into middle wage workers pockets benefits the entire economy because it's not going it's not getting stuffed into a mattress or some sort of a you know a long-term investment vehicle most of it is going to to buy goods and services in the community so you must be pretty uh, proud of this uh, success story yeah we're proud of it and uh, as i said earlier it's not a union issue it's protecting the workers in the state of illinois and very very proud of our team uh here with the mid-america carpenters we put a lot of effort and time into it and it's really rewarding to see the contractors that are cheating the system pay up what is that let me ask you this you, you know you mentioned contractors it's not every contractor right i mean we have good solid union hard-working contractors some of them which came up through the ranks and, and were former union members right sure sure at a uh, very good point again and uh, we have a number of uh, thousands of good union carpenter contractors out here in illinois and throughout our jurisdiction and Missouri, Kansas, and Eastern Iowa, and uh, it's really a tribute to uh, you know how good they are, how good they pay, you know how they treat our carpenters with productivity, safety, and training that uh, we preach here in the union. And you know when there's people cheating the system, it hurts everybody, not just our carpenters. How does it? How does it hurt? A, let's let's talk about that. How does it hurt the actual contractor? Well, if they, if they, if it's uh, if everybody's on a level playing field and the job is being bid fairly. Okay, which it's not when these contractors are cheating the system. Our our union contractors are out of work and our members aren't put to work. So it's a it's a snowball effect, and uh, it hurts our contractors as much as it hurts our membership. And what you just did is level the playing field. Tried to level the playing field. Obviously, uh, like I said earlier, there's uh, there's good union contractors that pay every day. They pay what they should be paid. They pay to the state, uh, workman's comp insurance, state insurance, uh, state taxes. And we want to make sure we protect those people as well. And you're protecting not only them, obviously, you're protecting, like you just said, you're protecting your members that work for them, that rely on that paycheck to then take that money and put their kids in school and go out and shop in their community and pay taxes. I mean, it's got an amazing amount of ripple effect. And when somebody tries to game the system, you know, they need to know, number one, that the government is watching. But more importantly, to be blunt with you, they need to know that the unions are watching. Right. We're not just watching out for our own members. We're now watching out for everybody. And there's a perfect example of what you guys just did. And guess what? Unscrupulous contractors. Here's a message to you. The carpenters are watching you because where there's one, I bet there's more. Yeah. If you turn over one rock, you find something. I bet if you turn over a few more rocks, there's plenty more out there. 
So your fight against wage theft started. You lobbied politicians. You got a state law passed. And when you, let me let me stop you. Politicians, right? It was uh, bipartisan, uh, Ken, and uh, uh, obviously our, our allies, our Democratic allies, along with our Republicans, uh, it was bipartisan. It's, nice, we to, get the- it's nice to see uh, union, and we, we talked about this last week as well. It's nice to see a union that doesn't just dump their money into the coffers of Democrats, because you have to have some friends on the other side of the aisle. And when you talk to some of them and you take away the rhetoric and you talk about something as simple as wage theft, tax theft, how do they not agree with that? Right, exactly. Uh, good point again. And, uh, you know, we have to look at both sides of the aisle. Uh, you know, our philosophy here has always been that the people that help us we will reciprocate the favor to them as well. And uh, we do have some Republican friends uh, and uh, along with our Democratic allies. Okay, so um, you passed the state law. You're seeing successes already. Workers are getting paid money that they're owed. The state's being made whole on tax fraud. So if workers out there, whether they're members or not, believe that they might be a victim of wage theft, I understand you guys have a phone number that they can call. Yes, anybody that thinks they're getting cheated uh, can call our Carpenters Hotline. So I'm going to read it to everybody. Is area code 630-368-3540. They don't have to be members of the Carpenters, correct? No, any worker in the state of Illinois can call that hotline. And then there's another one that is the southern region, and that is 217-744-1419. Again, it's 217-744-1419. And then keep going there's a western region and that one is 815-626-2396 again it's 815-626-2396 are these posted on your website someplace yes they are okay so you could always go to the carpenters website and find these things i'm sure quite carpentersunion.org carpentersunion.org i'm sure by the way if you called any one of these numbers uh it would get to the right place right that is correct that's an amazing story gary and uh really at the end of the day all workers in the state of illinois and throughout the country and throughout our jurisdiction and the midwest coalition of labor's jurisdiction and, and everywhere need to be treated fairly and what you're doing is exactly that and you're helping the families and, and workers and you know kudos to you for doing it. it's kick-ass okay thank you very much yeah. thanks a lot gary you've been listening to the workers mic on 720 wgn with gary perinar from the carpenters union fantastic job gary and the carpenters we'll be right back you're listening to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by megan financial premise health and voya financial Welcome back, everyone. My name is Ken. This is Ed. You're listening to The Worker's Mic right here on WGN 720 AM. We are going to have a little bit of fun here talking about another union myth of the week. The union myth of the week. And this one, Ken, would you like to introduce this one? This is something that I think everybody has heard. I've heard this from not only anti-union folks, I've heard this from pro-union folks. And that is, unions were necessary back in the day but they're just not necessary anymore they have outlived their usefulness that's the myth the kids are no longer in the coal mines and we have a 40-hour work week people don't uh you know they're not getting locked into their shirtwaist factories anymore so what do we need unions for today right it's like it's like saying hey we haven't had a fire uh in a few months so we should probably just get rid of the fire department and it's, it's just a ridiculous theory that when actually tested 
doesn't hold water. And I'll give you, I think, one of the, one, one of the best and, and sort of most glaring um, examples of why this is simply not true is wage inequity, right? So in the 70s, for example, when union density in, in America was 35%, somewhere in that ballpark, it was high. Um, wage differential between the rich and the non-rich uh, was not that great. As union density declined, wages for the 1% skyrocketed, and the middle class started losing ground, continued to lose ground. And today, the 1% makes up, what, 90-plus percent of all the wealth in the country? Yeah, it's over 90%. It's crazy. And the rest of us get to fight over the scraps. So that's you know a pretty glaring example. If you'd like to actually look at it and really research this for yourself, Google it. You know, I hate to say it, but just Google it. You can look at the Economic Policy Institute, um, which is a national organization that tracks these type of things. But that's a glaring example of the myth that is unions not needed anymore. And, and when you talk about inequality, there's another really important point to be made here. Um, you know, we've heard for, for many years, I think it's 82 cents on the dollar that an average female worker makes in comparison to her male counterpart. So there is a wage gap between uh, females and males. There's also a, a race wage gap between you know, uh, Caucasian workers, African-American workers, et cetera. So there are these wage disparities you know, across every kind of line imaginable. And the thing that's important to know here is that with a union contract, for example, with uh, a heavy equipment operator's contract with the operating engineers, if you can operate a crane or an excavator or a bulldozer, um, you get paid this much money. It doesn't say anywhere in the contract anything about a female or a male or a Christian, a Muslim, uh, you know, can, any, and, and any can other. You, can you imagine that? Like, that's anathema to us, right? Like, that would be, first of all, it would be illegal, right, to put oh, that absolutely. in a contract. And second of all, it's immoral. Union, yeah, of course it's immoral. And unions don't distinguish between, look, we said an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Right. It doesn't matter what you look white, like. black, what you look like, if you're male, female, gay, not gay, whatever the case may be, you get the same amount of pay period, the end. So it, the, what you're saying is the union contract takes away that disparity. Right. And, and this is something you hear about it in, in you know, federal like presidential campaigns every four years that we're fighting this wage gap. We can't figure out how to close this wage gap. Unions figured out how to close this wage gap. Of course. And I think people are starting to realize that now when you're seeing all this union organizing that, hey, we, we, should, we deserve a piece of that 90, per, you know, whatever it is, that 90 plus percent that the 1% is getting. So you're seeing organizing all over the place and people are realizing that there really is a way to do this and that is to form a union so this this notion that unions outlived their usefulness look a lot of people have said like you just said right we have you know the 40-hour work week we have uh, weekends we have holidays you know we have family medical leave you know some people have said and i understand the argument that unions have legislated themselves out of existence i think again to point to to every presidential cycle, you hear the candidates fighting about how are we going to raise workers' wages? How are we going to help people keep up with inflation? How are we going to help workers afford health care? And how can people afford to retire? The things, the problems that Americans, let's call them kitchen table economics, the problems are we don't make enough money, we can't afford health care, and we can't afford to ever retire. And those are the things that work, that unions do. I mean, in addition to focusing on skill training and trying to set up fair rules at work, the bread and butter of every union is those things that every American supports, every American worker wants to make enough money 
you know, to, to live comfortably, to only have one job per person, maybe a single family income, but at least not have to work second jobs. Uh, to be able to afford health care and yeah. to be able to retire someday. Absolutely. And I think that's why uh, there's all of a sudden a, a real shift to a positive um, notion about unions in the United States of 70 plus percent people view unions now at, in a positive light. So I think that the tide is turning and the, the, the myth that unions have outlived their usefulness is simply not true. Look, let's, let's just talk about what happened at the Supreme Court, right? They overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, now that, to be blunt with you, in my lifetime, I never thought that would happen. So, what's to say that the next administration can't come in and overturn the forty-hour work week? Well, I think yeah, what what you're saying is a hundred percent correct. There are no there are no rights, uh, whether they're in the Constitution, whether they've been legislated. Nothing is forever. That's right. Um, and I think that we've we've seen that at a federal level over the past couple of years. Um, and uh, looking at Another reason, um, just a concrete example of why unions are certainly still relevant, just look at Amazon. Look at Amazon workers in the warehouse in Long or Staten Island that was the first one to organize. Those workers couldn't take breaks to go to the bathroom. And right. at, at these warehouses, they're popping up. Construction unions can, can, can see the construction of these things happening all over the place. But you have a quota. You're tracked on how much you move. If you stop moving for a certain amount of time, they they call you in on it and you know i read bath- that, yeah, these people I read, don't get bathroom breaks they're they're running from place to place it's a, i read that they literally will take a bottle with them put it in their car you know urinate in their car before they go on shift so they don't have to use the bathroom and then while they're on you know a forklift or some you know uh, scaffolding or whatever they'll have a bottle with them as well so they don't have to use the restroom while they're working quote unquote i mean th- this that used is- to be limited to truck drivers that's why that's called a trucker bomb <laughs> is that right yeah they used to call that a trucker bomb but the trucker bombs have have come inside apparently now thanks to thanks to amazon but as companies find different ways to squeeze a little bit more out of their workers unions always find a way to respond to that and that's why unions are still relevant that's why unions are still important and that's why unions will always be important yeah i think that we simply let's let's call it what it is we need more unions i i I don't disagree i think that's what we're here to do that's all for us i'm ken edwards he's ed maher and this is the workers mike powered by the midwest coalition of labor coming up next it's dean richards and the top stories from northwestern medicine newsroom on 720 wgn the preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.